Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now the Lord has led me many times to study through a book of the Bible. Sometimes we do it on Wednesday night, sometimes we do it on Sunday night, but the Lord has kind of been, had this on my heart for some time, to go through the book of 1 Corinthians on Sunday mornings. Um, I don't know why, but that's what... The, where the prayers have led and that's what we're going to begin to do this morning is go through the book of 1 Corinthians. I can't tell you how, how much of it we're going to do, if we're going to do a chapter at a time or verse by verse, but, uh, but as the Lord leads, we will go through 1 Corinthians. Now the great thing about going through a book of, of the Bible, the teaching through a book, is you have to deal with some stuff. You know, if you're riding down the road and, and there's, a, uh, uh, there's some potholes in that road and there's no detour, you got to go across some potholes, right? Amen? And sometimes you got to tread carefully. Make sure you don't blow a tire out. Well, there's some, there's some meat in 1 Corinthians. All right, we're going to get into some stuff and study the book of 1 Corinthians. And sometimes we're going to have to drive real carefully. All right, we might hit a, 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 just a verse or two. Uh, but sometimes we might be able to take a chapter at a time. Today we're going to read down through uh, verse 17 uh, and talking about some things. Now the, the kind of the direction the Lord has led me in studying this is that the book of 1 Corinthians deals a lot with gifts. It, it deals openly with spiritual gifts, the, the, the manifestation of the work of Christ in our lives, how he has gifted us individually uh, in his spirit, but it also deals a lot with corporate gifts, God's gifts to the church, how he has uh, given so much that the church might be the body of Christ, that the church might be his salt and light in the world, that the, the church might be his hands and feet uh, on this earth ministering in his name. With all that being said, there is nothing else in the world like being a member of God's church. And, and, and I mean that from every perspective. A lot of people treat church membership like club membership, but that's not what it is. Uh, you know, and I don't want to get off base here, but I shared in Sunday school a couple weeks ago that had an incident uh, uh, when I was at another church where a lady got real mad at me because we didn't have business meetings on Sunday morning. She said, well, to handle business on Sunday morning. I'm like, no, ma'am, we're going to preach the word of God on Sunday morning. All right, we handle business on, on Wednesday night or whatever. She said, well, that's when I pay my dues. That's when I ought to handle business. I'm like, we need to study what church membership means. Huh? Church membership means that you are a member, not like a member of a club, but a member like your right arm. Wave your right arm around like this. All right, that is a member of your body. You are connected to it. And if you are in Christ, you are a member of the church. It doesn't have to do with where your name's written on church roll. It doesn't have to do with what, how much tithe you give. It doesn't have to do with whether you show up at business meeting or not. If you are in Christ, you are a member of the church of the living God. Amen? Well, 1 Corinthians was a rough place. And they had a lot of stuff going on. I won't say 1 Corinthians was a word. Corinth was a rough place. The church of the Corinthians was a rough place. And they had a lot of stuff going on. Well, Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, writes this letter to them. And a lot of what he deals with, uh, it, both good and bad, are God's gifts to the church. 
And today we're going to talk about what it means, the gift that it is to even be a member of the body of Christ. So stand with me if you will. We're going to read down through verse 17 in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of, of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him and all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you in the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you will all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Are you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, not with wisdom of words, I'm sorry, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Father, the last thing in the world we want to do today is make the cross of no effect. We want the cross held high because, Lord, you have said in your word that if Christ be lifted up, you will draw all men into himself. So, Lord, I pray today that you are honored in your word, that you speak through your word, that it not be the words of men, but it would be the words of your spirit speaking directly to our hearts that we might grow in your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Nothing else like it in the world. To be a part of the body of Jesus Christ, to be called into fellowship with God the Father and with Christ the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit that we might be one together in the body of Christ. That is what we see in the beginning of this, uh, of, of this letter that Paul has written, by the, as I said, by the power of the Spirit to the church at Corinth. And a couple of things that we see in this great gift. Now, let me emphasize that before I get into the meat of the message. It is a gift. God has given you the privilege of being a part of the body of Christ. Now, I know people throughout time and, and, and even now personally who have simply given up on being an active part of the body of Christ. For whatever reason, they've met difficulty and they've met uh, uh, consternation and they, they've met uh, uh, complaint and they've met uh, just frustration in dealing with things and they say, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I've had people look me in the eye and say, you know what, I can worship God just as well at home as I can at church. No, you can't. 
How do I know you can't? Because the Bible says you can't. And the Bible is true all the time. Amen? And the Bible says for, that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is. That we are to come together and say, well, preacher, we're here. Amen. So, so if you're hearing something and it doesn't apply to you, pass it on. All right. If you know somebody who has, who has decided in their heart that they're going to try to withdraw from the body of Christ, and you simply say to them, guess what? You don't have no choice in the matter. Christ has called us in fellowship with him. And I want to tell you, that's not a burden, friends. That's a gift. Christ has called us to be a part of his living body in this world. He has called us to be a part of his bride that he will come and carry away one day to that great wedding feast when we will be with him in all eternity. He has called us to be the salt and light. He has called us to be his hands and feet upon this earth and it is a gift and a privilege. Now, if I got you to raise your hands this morning and you were totally honest, every person in this room would probably say you have come to a point at, at some point in your life where you've been tempted to give up. Don't raise your hand. It's okay. But God has not called us to give up. God has called us to a ministry of reconciliation. He has called us to a ministry of perseverance. He has called us to a place where we are to plunge headlong into the culture and stand for the truth of the gospel no matter what. That's a good place for amen. Right. But how does he do that? What do we see in this gift? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 there says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which is given to you by Christ Jesus. Now Paul just makes this introduction. He and his friend Sothenes are there and he makes this introduction of who he is and who he is writing to. And he tells this church that they are called to be saints, that they are sanctified by the power of God. But he's going to get into some things that are real hard and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But in verse 4 he tells them this is what it's all about. It is grace from God in Christ. That is the gift. That the grace that you have in your life, the very fact that you can call upon the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is a gift from God. The very fact that you can open your mouth in utterance to the almighty king of the universe and come before his throne through the shed blood of Calvary and the power of his Holy Spirit is a precious gift from the hand of almighty God. And it comes only through Christ. Understand what he's saying there. The grace of God in Christ. See, because if you're calling on a God apart from Christ, you're not calling on the true and living God. People say all the time, well, that person believes this and that person believes that. How can you talk about another person's religion? How can you say something about a Muslim or a Hindu or, a, or, 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 or even an atheist? Well, the reason we can is because they're dreadfully, woefully, and eternally wrong. And we're not talking down on the person, we're talking down on the predicament. And the predicament is this, apart from Christ, all is lost. And only through the grace of God, only through the hand of Almighty God and His foreknowledge to lay the life of Christ down on the cross can we receive this precious gift, which is the power of His presence. The presence of God only comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. 
I cannot claim that God is present. Now, he's here. He, he's everywhere. He knows everything. But he is not truly present in your life apart from Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The Bible says that if I acknowledge in my heart my iniquity, God does not hear my prayer. The Bible says that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. There's power in the presence that's part of the gift of being a member of the body of Christ is the power of his presence. Look at verse 5 there. He says that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Now, I want to tell you that word enriched there means to make rich or otherwise it's used in this way to richly furnish, to fill with precious things. When we are enriched in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our lives are filled with the precious things of God. Um, looking at and studying that word, just digging deeper into it, 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 it brought me back to Proverbs chapter two, uh, 24, something I looked at some time ago, Proverbs 24, verses three and four, says this, as through wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established, by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. In Christ I am saved, and by Christ I am enriched. Think about that for a second. In Christ I am saved and by Christ I am enriched. When I come to Jesus Christ for salvation, and the Bible says in Christ, if any man comes unto me, I will in no wise turn him away. It doesn't matter where I've been, what I've done, who I've done it to, how bad it was. If I bring it to Christ and I say, Lord, in genuine faith, I ask you to forgive me and to come into my heart and save me, he is going to accept me right then and there. I don't have to pass a test. I don't have to answer any questions. All I have to do is surrender my life to him. And then the fun begins. Then the joy comes, then the journey has started and in that he can fill us and enrich us with all these precious promises that he gives us in his word. And this passage, verse five there, says that we are enriched in everything by him. Look at the two things, in all utterance and all knowledge. So how are we enriched? You want evidence that Christ is in your life? Look at what you say and what you know. Are you enriched in Christ? Have you come to a place since coming to know Jesus Christ that you speak better and you have learned more? You have been enriched in all utterance. We talked about that a little in Sunday school this morning. The Bible says that we are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Quick to listen, slow to speech, slow to wrath. Do your words honor God? Simple question. Do the things that come out of your mouth and the way that you say them, do they honor God? That is evidence of Christ in your life. And that's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians here. Now, this isn't a jab. This isn't a, uh, you know, a slight to them. He's saying that you should be able to look at your life and understand that it is better now than when you first came to Jesus Christ. That's simply all he's saying. Now, Paul gets into some stuff later on, and, and, and he deals with some things that are happening. So he knows that these people are not perfect. But he said there should be some evidence. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. We will never be perfect this side of heaven. But are you closer to that perfection today than you were when you first come to Jesus Christ? That's the question. In verse 7, 
Paul summarizes why he's telling them all this, why he's writing this letter, what's happening in his heart and and, and that God would lead him in this direction down there in verse 7 where it says, so that you come short in no gift. Now understand this. Some of this letter, some of the writing that Paul does with the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians is some of the most firm and difficult messages you ever want to hear. There were things going on in that church that were unheard of anywhere else. He says that. But here's the intention. Every firm word, every disciplined stance, everything that he takes in this passage of Scripture has one intention, to strengthen the believers, to strengthen the church, and to strengthen the kingdom. And that's what the Word of God's given for. The Word of God has been given that we might be encouraged to follow the Lord. That we might be able to be corrected in our error and that we might stand strong in his presence. And he says here, here's why I'm writing to you, so that you can come short in no gift. How many of you like gifts? All right, and the rest of you are lying. All right, everybody likes gifts. Everybody likes to receive something. And Paul says God wants to be more in your life is simply what he's saying. And he says, and I don't want you to come short in any gift. Uh, if you don't like getting gifts, how many of you like when your kids get gifts? We all like when our, somebody recognized our kid. Oh, that just make you smile, make your heart glow. You just get all excited. Somebody recognized my kid, right? And, and, and for a good thing, all right? All right? But, but what Paul is saying is my children in the faith, he said, I don't want you to miss out on anything. How many of you ever said this, Grub? I want my kids to have it better than I did. You ever said that? Why don't we say that in the faith? Why don't we say, I want my kids to have a stronger faith than I have, than I have. I want my kids to be closer to the Lord than I ever was at that age. I want my kids to live stronger and healthier, more vibrant lives in Christ than I did. No, what we do in our culture today is we oh, go do your thing, sow your wild oats, and here's our cop out. I brought them to church and the Bible says if you bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, they'll never depart from it. Now, I didn't intend to go down this road, but anyway, that's the way the Lord just opened my mouth. So, Just because you get somebody to church doesn't mean that you're bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Because those words, nurture and admonition, are very powerful biblical words. When you are nurtured, it is the sense of being nurtured at your mother's breast. It is the sense of being fed the milk of the word. It is the sense of being uh, fortified and, 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 and filled with the nutrient of the word of God. It is constant. It's not for an hour on Sunday morning. It is constant. And it happens in the household, and it happens at the dinner table, and it happens on the way to school, and it happens on the way home, and it happens as Deuteronomy says, when they lie down and when they rise up and when they walk walk along the road, and it is put on the doorpost of our homes and on our gates and all these things, those frontlets on our foreheads that we might see the Word of God. That's what the nurture and admonition of the Lord is, amen? And Paul is saying here, this is what I want for you. I didn't know Christ. I came to know Christ on the road to Damascus when I was a grown man doing things I shouldn't do. But you, I don't want you to miss a single gift that God has for you. 
Don't you want somebody like that in your life? Don't you want somebody that is so concerned with you doing well that they're they're willing to pour their hearts out before you to tell you when you're doing wrong, to correct you when you get off course, to commend you when you do well? That's what Paul was doing. Look at what he goes on to say here. He talks about the confirmation of Christ in their life. He talks about the power of salvation and he talks about fellowship. Fellowship with Jesus Christ. The fellowship of his son. Church, I want to tell you, there is a power in the presence of Almighty God. And if we miss that power, it's not because He moved. If we have moved away from the presence of God, it is because we have moved away ourselves. We have scooted over and allowed God to draw away from us. We need to understand that there is power in His presence. That's one of the gifts of being a member of the body of Christ. But the second gift of being a member of of the body of Christ is this, is the potential of our partnership. He says here in verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with the Son, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Now that's a mouthful. What does that mean? Let's break it down like this. This is a plea for unity within the church at Corinth. Now now look, there's a difference and a similarity between being a part of the body of Christ and being part of a local congregation. The similarity is that you have chosen to unite in a particular way with a particular group of people. When I chose to accept Christ, I took on the mantle of being a member of the body of Christ. But when I came to Monroe Street Church, I made the choice of saying I am a part of this local congregation and I want to be an active and involved member of that local congregation. Are you with me? Just nod if you're with me. All right. And so what Paul is saying here is that as a church in Corinth, now look, I want want to address something real quick before I move on. Back then, you had the church at Corinth, you had the church at Ephesus, you had the church at at, uh, uh, Thessalonica, you had the church at at Rome, you had, uh, every city had a church. Not every block, all right? Here's the problem with every block having a church, is that we do not pray significantly enough, for the most part, when we decide to unify with a particular congregation. Now, I want to tell you, that's one of the hardest things for me to stand in the pulpit and say, because I want everybody, we'll just be at Monroe Street's best church in Bogalusa, come on. That's that's my heart. But the Spirit says, you better be where you can work and you can be filled. Where you can work and where you can be filled. And a lot of times what happens is we, uh, it's like relationships. You ever have one of these puppy love relationships in junior high and high school? A lot of people have puppy love with church. It's like, I go, I go out with this church for a little while and they do something I don't like, I'm gonna go out with this church for a little while. You know, and, and I don't like how they put their bulletin together. I don't like the piano. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk over to this church for a little while. 
And, and I'm going to sit in this church for a little while until I decide I don't like the flowers up on the pulpit. They're distracting me. So I'm going to walk over to this church for a little while because they use this translation of scripture or whatever. And, and then when I get tired of uh, uh, so-and-so and somebody hurt my feelings, I'm going to walk over to this church. for. Here's a problem with that. Relationships are kind of like tape. You know what I mean? Relationships are kind of like tape. And when you align yourself with somebody, whether it's junior high puppy love or it's part of a church, and you stick with that church for a little while and then you pull out, it's real hard to stick to the next one. You ever tried to reuse tape? Because the problem is you don't stick. And then it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And pretty soon you're like that guy I was talking about a while ago. I just worship at home. My unsticky self. Right? And, and what Paul is saying here, he's saying that you, as the church at Corinth, have made a commitment to stand as a part of the body of Christ. And I am pleading with you that you be unified in that commitment. That is the gift of being a part of something larger than ourselves. And when he says here in verse 10 that you speak with one voice, when you say the same thing, what is he talking about there? There are many ways that God calls us. I've loved having the testimonies that we've had recently. People getting up and sharing how God has called them and gotten hold of them. Not a one of them was identical, was it? Because your calling is different. Your, the, your story is different. There are many ways that we can answer. You might fall on your face in tears or you might boldly come in front of a congregation. Whatever it is, the Lord calls you in that way and you answer as he calls you. But there is only one means of salvation and that is Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying, that you speak with one voice. That you say one thing, that Jesus is the only way of salvation. And that's why it doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, uh, uh, Methodist. As long as you are preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that is what matters. But when you get away from Christ crucified, that's what separates us from other forms of belief. And those forms of belief are no longer speaking with that one voice. Not only are we to be of one voice, but we are to be of one body. He says, no divisions, joined together. I, and I love the wording here. I won't get all into the, the background of it. But, but what it simply means is locking arms and looking ahead. Locking arms and looking ahead. Just standing together arm in arm. And like we sing, onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. That is what the church is supposed to look like. We're not supposed to be disjointed and divided. And, 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 and it's not about cliques and clubs. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And where do I see that? Paul here says, I don't even remember who I baptized. Here was the meat of the problem that was going on in the church at Corinth, part of the problem anyway. They were saying, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ, and, and all this. And, and they were arguing over who they were disciples of. Now, some of you in here ha have had a, a, how do I say this? Maybe not in here, but in, in, in many churches, people see they've had pet preachers. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Particular, particular preacher they like and that preacher goes somewhere and they follow him. Now, now I, I, I know a lady and I won't tell on her because I'm related to her. But anyway, um, she'd been to about seven different churches. Why? Because her preacher had been to about seven different churches. Now, I've got, as a preacher, I've got a problem with that. 
Number one, that scares me to death. Somebody, that's like stalking. That's a, anyway, but that's beside the point. But the other point is that when you have chosen to unite with a body, when you have chosen to be a part of a particular congregation, you have unified with that body. And if a preacher comes or goes, that shouldn't matter. You're still part of that body. And Paul is saying here, and I, and I love the way Paul writes. I love the way he says these things. He's like, y'all arguing over who baptized. I don't even remember who I baptized. That's how important that argument is. I don't even remember who I baptized. We are all in Christ. So put this little petty argument aside and do what God has called you to do, and that is glorify the name of Christ Jesus. One in body, one in purpose. Perfectly joined together, same mind, same judgment. Real quick, that same mind, same judgment. This is a term of restoration. It's the same phrase that's used when he's talking about, when, when in scripture, when they're talking about mending a net or setting a bone. It's the same phrase that's used there. Perfectly joined together. Any of you ever have to have a bone set? Not me, I put my hand down. I never had a broke bone. Miss Mary, you had a bone set. They have to put that bone back together in just the right way so it will heal up. And when Paul uses this word perfectly joined together, it's a picture of restoration. He's saying there are divisions in the church, but you need to get everything set back right. You need to mend your nets. You need to set your bones. You need to bring some healing into this congregation because here's what's happening. It is causing the cross of Christ to be of no effect. And that's the last thing that I want us to see. Not only the power of the presence of God, not only the potential of the partnership we have, there is no limit to what we can do if we're working toward the glory of God as one unit. But that's the potential of that partnership. But then in verse 17, we see the precision of our purpose. Verse 17, read it again, says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. The purpose of our calling is to lift the cross and glorify Christ. To lift the cross and glorify Christ. It is not so that you can have a new car. It's not so you can get what you want out of God. It's not so you can have a hunky-dory life and be happy all the time. It is not for any of those reasons. It is that the cross of Christ might be lifted up. Some of the people who have lifted the cross of Christ greater than any other people that I know have done it in the midst of suffering and heartache and difficulty. As they were going through those things, they said, I want to point people to Jesus Christ. Paul says here that our purpose, he said, Christ didn't send me to baptize. See, because what happens, Paul's arguing against what they were saying. Church for them had become a matter of status. A matter of status. When, when you try to get what you want in the culture because you are part of the body of Christ, you're trying to, to weigh on that status. In our culture, that doesn't work a whole lot anymore. It used to be more so. You get pulled over for a ticket and you tell, I'm trying to hurry and get to church. Right? And that, and that caught my, oh, okay, you go on. Now, I mean, why are you going to church? Not every cop. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. It's just not as accepted as it once was. 
You know, uh, uh, there, there, there are people who like to use their, you know, well, my daddy's a deacon or my, my, my uncle's a preacher or so-and-so. You ever hear people do that? They want, they're looking for that status. Well, these guys were arguing over status and Paul says, it's not about status. I, I don't know if I baptized anybody else in that church. He said, what I'm telling you is that if it becomes about status, the cross is made of no effect. All that we have as Christians is the cross. Without the cross, we are nothing. Without the death of Jesus Christ, we are here in vain. Without the sacrifice made for us on Calvary, why even bother? And Paul says, you are making the Christ of no effect because you've made it about status. Not only have they made it about status, but they had made it about ceremony. He said, I didn't even come to baptize. I came to preach. Sometimes we get so caught up in doing church that we forget to be the church. And the purpose of the church is to lift high the cross and to glorify Christ. It's not about activities and events and, and all these things, but it is about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is the purpose. And when it becomes a matter of ceremony, the cross is made of no effect. And I want to tell you, as a preacher, I thank God that this, for this last one too, that it, when it becomes a matter of skill, the cross is made of no effect. Look what he says there. He says, I came not with wisdom of words, he said, I came not to impress, but to impact. Understand what he's saying there. There are a lot of people who glorify men. I want to tell you, I have favorite preachers. I have guys that I sit and listen to. Adrian Rogers has been dead for a number of years, but he's still the best preacher on the radio as far as I'm concerned. I listen to Adrian Rogers all day long. But Adrian Rogers cannot save me. Only Jesus Christ can save me. And Paul here says, it's not about the skill of the preacher. It's not about the skill of the pastor. It's not about the skill of the deacons. It's not about the skill of the elders. It's not about the skill of those working in the church. It is about the commitment. He said, I came not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. Heard a preacher talk about it this way one time. He said that it is not that we are not ministering to impress. We are ministering to impact. What does that mean? If I impress you, or you impress somebody, then that somebody walks away and says, Oh, that was pretty neat. I enjoyed that. A lot of fun. We need to do it again sometime. But when you impact, they walk away and say, I felt that. That affects my life. My life is going to be different. 